1: Listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is Husker twenty four seven senior writer Brian Christofferson.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act.
1: Brian Christofferson. Oh, well, I mean that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Kristofferson. I did the same thing in Illinois last year. Like you, it was a close game. And the ball was ripped out. And to
0: me, it's all technical. It's it's about covering the tip of the ball and keeping the ball high and tight. If you watch Heinrich run with the football, you know, Coach Osborne came in yesterday and we, you know, watched, watched some film with us, and he was just talked about how beautifully Heinrich carries the football. He, he carries exactly like we asked him to do. You watch Tommy Hill. He had that fumble again on the kickoff return, and Tommy Hill picks the ball off the other night, and there's a, a picture of him You know, with, with going five points of ball security. It's a commitment to that, and so Anthony's been running with the ball one way his whole life, not protecting the, the front tip of the ball and again, the ball getting out here. It's division one football. You're not gonna have a lot of runs where you start right and work back left. It just doesn't happen, especially in four minutes. So we've just got to continue to coach him.
2: Kicking off hour number two here on HerdAt At Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula, Anna Bellinghausen. With me as well this morning, joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline is our friend Brian Kristofferson from Husker 24-7. BC, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing uh, pretty good, guys. I'm up in chilly Minnesota. I'll say I heard you're on your way to a Twins game.
0: Yeah, we're already actually – it's my brother, my dad, and I up here in uh, Minneapolis for Game 4, Twins-Astros, after the Astros uh, kicked our tail. <laughs> our tail. I, I always say R with the Twins like I, uh, you know, am the pitching coach. But, um, yeah, we're going to a game at 6 o'clock tonight, and my dad wants to go golfing, and it's uh, 45 degrees. So I'm really fired up about that as we get ready to do
2: that. Ooh, bundle up, my guy. Uh, how you feeling about the Twins going into Game 4?
0: not too confident uh, okay. i'll say uh so but i've never been to a uh, major league playoff game actually so uh i'm checking that off the list and i'm i'm hoping we got a a tight affair going into the ninth inning and it gives me something uh memorable for our trip
2: well i think everybody outside of probably the greater houston area is rooting for your twins over the astros so uh good luck to you tonight we hope uh we hope you have a, a memorable experience. You know, let's get a little, let's get a little Carlos Correa walk-off for you. Might as well, right?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Um, so
0: uh, I that that would be all right. I didn't I didn't bring a trash can or anything. I think those jokes <laughs> probably played themselves out. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it'll be a rowdy crowd tonight. It, it was supposed to be a 1 p.m. first pitch, but it got moved back to six because they because uh, the Rangers swept the Orioles. So. Uh, the boys are playing late. It's going to be a little colder, but uh, I've got my layers, and I'll be ready for
2: it. Well, you know, and, and the colder it gets, the more, um, uh, you know, you got to pregame a little bit to keep yourself warm, right? Yeah, <laughs> there could be some of that going on. So, uh,
3: we'll, we'll it's see. called a booze blanket. Yeah,
2: we'll A booze blanket. There. I was talking there about go. hot chocolate. I don't know what you're talking oh, about, man. Anna.
0: Oh, um, yeah, that's what I meant, too. <laughs> man, Anna.
2: <laughs> she, you could tell she was in college very recently with that. <laughs> um no bc i I thought it was interesting we were talking a little bit about uh coach rule's comments yesterday and it it seems like kind of without coming out and saying it he sort of told us hey yeah yeah heinrich Harburg has has replaced jeff sims as the starter is that how you took those comments or or am i kind of reading too much into it
0: no i mean doing our best uh colombo detective work i would say (laughs) um uh, that's an outdated reference as well but i would say um i would say that that's how it feels to me um you know at least for for now until heinrich unless he gives him a reason to make a move i i sort of don't know why you mess with it i i have said publicly and i'll, I'll keep saying it i don't think anybody has just like put a stamp down on the paper like this is the way it has to be this is the number one QB I don't feel that way about Mm -hmm. the position at this point um so that's sort of my stance on it like they could trot Jeff Sims out for the first snap against uh Northwestern after the bye and I'd be like okay let's see what happens you know I I, because um you know I, I think Heinrich is is growing on the job and you're seeing it you're seeing like the ups and downs that go with that like he has some plays um, where it's really exciting, especially when he's out running and you know and Illinois defensive back is in his way and you're you feel bad for the guy, you're like just make a business decision and get out of there because <laughs> he's gonna clock you, which he did. but then there's there's moments um, you know when when he's throwing the ball, when you see that the the room still to grow in that area where the, the passes are sailing a bit. Not that that can't happen to anybody, but that that was the that's the book on, Heinrich going in, right, he's a, he's a very good runner. We're seeing him develop as a passer. I thought the Michigan game, honestly, as bad as it was for the team, was one of his better throwing performances when he started. He was 12 of 17 in the first three quarters or whatever, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I see some I see some things against a top-level defense there that, that can work going forward. Um, I didn't think last Friday was as good in that department uh, for him, but, uh, you know, the bottom line is it's easy – to forget through all the bumbles and fumbles of the second half, that Heinrich, you know, he made some plays in the second quarter that were key, where he would make that fourth down throw to Alex Bullock and the third and ten at Tyon. So he has done some positives. He's three and one as a starter. Do I think Jeff Sims might have been three and one as a starter against the same competition? Yes, I do, because I think the defense has been the lion's uh, the lion for this team, you know, um, and and no matter who the quarterback is. Uh, that said, he's protected the ball better, um, and so until that changes, I think probably he's he's the best option for this team at the moment.
3: Brian, I want to switch gears just a little bit. So, uh, Marcus Washington with the ACL tear—bad news, obviously, for the Huskers—and yeah. wish him the best. But. I just want your thoughts on the depleted wide receiver room, and obviously that goes down just a little bit more with with Marcus heading out for the season. And um, when you look at the play calling that Satterfield has run, and then you know you saw Matt Rule kind of chime in a little bit there, had to take a timeout at one point. Um, how does that change the play calling? Does it get more conservative? Are you able to take more risk with those young wide receivers?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind Anna uh, if they – um, you know, you've got Malachi and a guy like Jalen Lloyd, who's got, obviously, that great track speed. I wouldn't mind if they let him loose on a few deep shots, you know. And I'm not saying they go crazy with it, but one or two, you know, in the next game just say it's there. Like, put it on film. Like, these guys can do this. These young players have that speed component to their game. We're going to see if they can run by somebody so I'm up for opening it up in that way because I think that's kind of a low risk play, right, mm-hmm. for everybody. If you do that once in a while, I mean, say say the ball gets picked. It did against Illinois. It got picked off. It was like 35, 40 yards down the field. So you're like, okay, it's basically a net punt there. So um, I'm okay with taking some shots with those guys because that that seems like stuff. First off, that you know they could do pretty well. It's just you do do what your God given traits allow you to do and just run past people. You know, with your speed. So. I'm for that, I do think there's, I don't know, there's probably some things they're still catching up on that maybe they have to think twice about, can we use this with these certain guys? I don't know how far along they are on everything. Uh, the guy I'm really interested in is seeing if his snaps uh, hike up a bunch is Jaden Doss because prior to the season starting, um, like two weeks before, he was, I think, going to be the first freshman in uh, in the game. Uh, and then he broke his arm, and so that set him back. And he only played five or six snaps because um, you know his position was taken um, on Friday. But I wonder if he's a player that maybe now, with a little extra time, uh, you can find some specific things for a jack-of-all-trades type guy where you can use him in creative ways. He was, uh, as a recruit, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, he was sometimes... Uses like the Debo Samuel type guy. That is, he, he, you could put him at a running back. You could um, send him on a reverse, uh, put him all over the field. He can do those sort of things. So um, I'm curious if they might find some, some things for him. Uh, but obviously all eyes on Malachi. played 57 snaps, and he got open, too, um, you know, at times. There were some balls that could have been there that weren't. Um, and he got his first catch out of the way, so you know that has to feel good for him to have that behind him. And now let's let's see if he can use that as a launching pad.
2: BC, are you surprised, impressed? I mean, you, you can maybe choose the adjective, but considering way, all of the depletion of the wide receiver room, the running back room, obviously the original starting quarterback, are, are you are you surprised that they are able to? Do anything on offense at all? Because if you had told me those things <laughs> going into the season, I'd be like, "Oh, they haven't scored yet this year."
0: Well, yeah, I, I totally get that question. I I, I guess I you got to do something. You got to right off or uh, have some something in your scheme. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been about the worst case scenario you could imagine. I mean, they they've stayed relatively healthy on the offensive line, knock on wood, but everywhere else. I mean, you you go through it, think about Xavier Betts leaving in the summer, Um, the Isaiah Garcia Castaneda injury, which sometimes can pass through your mind, but that happened, you know, right away, Um, and now this one to Marcus, so there's three guys you would have thought if you had said back in, you know, June, name, like, the top five wide receivers, well, there's three of them, (laughs) Right. Um, Okay, name the top running backs. Um, you would have said Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson. Some would have mentioned Anthony. But I think uh, it was trending toward those guys at the top and Anthony third. Mm-hmm. So your top two running backs gone. Um, I don't think Eric Gilbert was going to play, and obviously he's had difficulties off the field. Um, but, you know, there's another guy that some people at one point thought could be a part of things, not involved. So um, And then the QB situation. So that it's pretty amazing when you go through it all as far as not just the guy, the number of guys who have been lost, but it's like every time you look down on the field, it's like, oh, that's a really significant guy. And I don't mean that because, you know, you always say when any guy's injured. But mm-hmm. when, when you see Marcus Washington down on the field as a senior and you, you know he knows what he's doing, you know that's a guy that can win on a third and eight for you. He's proven that it can be done. Um, I mean, that's painful. And it's just like, okay, it's just another thing you have to work around. So all this to say – um, I'm not saying coaches aren't, uh, you know, that they're above criticism or anything like that. I'm just saying in Marcus Satterfield's first year as the offensive coordinator, when you're going to have that conversation about how everything looks over there, that this has to be in the top three sentences. Okay, what about all the injuries too? And uh, what they're maybe having to do that they would rather, you know, they'd rather be doing something else in certain cases perhaps. So you got to factor that in at least when we talk about this.
2: You know, BC, I'm glad you brought up Marcus Satterfield here because I I was thinking about not only the job he's done at Nebraska, but the first year he was at South Carolina, I believe that was the year that they had to pull a grad assistant out of the coaching staff to finish the year or or to start the year, I think, at quarterback because of all the injuries there. I mean, he might be kind of uniquely qualified to be in the position he's in right now, right?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I think he, he mentioned that once. He he's sort of been through through it all with injuries and stuff like that. And the one thing I'll say about him is I haven't I haven't really heard him lead with that in any talks with the media. Like you know, yeah, but what about if you know we had Ramirez, we'd be doing this and all that. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can't look at it that way. You got to look at the guys in your room who are up and. Um, it's the old uh, Hoosiers line, my team's on the floor, you know, these are my guys. We're, we're going to go out there with what we have. We're going to find ways to best um, accentuate what they can do. And, um, you know, can it be, here's the big question of the second half of the season. Can they make it um, a blessing in disguise at certain spots, like wide receiver? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't an ideal spot. But it is what it is, and now you've got you've got games against teams you can win these games, and these got, you've got young players with talent enough to make a play against the Northwestern or Purdue. It's within them to do that. You've got to make them believe they can do that, and if they can, um, we could look back at you know where if Nebraska is getting ready for a bowl game, and they get to six wins, and these young guys have contributed to that, and say, okay, they've now got. Um, some stepping stones that they've taken toward next year we're going to feel a little bit better about this group than we did so matt rule has always been bullish on his receivers in particular and what they're going to be and now i think we're just to that moment where one or two of them at least kind of need to start you know they need to be at a little bit um here in the in the next six weeks at at times it's not going to be all the time but at times it has to pop up and you're like oh that's going to be nice
3: Brian, do you think it's okay if Nebraska doesn't find their quote-unquote offensive identity this season, given all the circumstances?
0: Um, that's a good question. Um, I think what they would say is that they know what they want to be. Um, and, and, you know, Rule had a pretty good quote about this where – um, just because you're not <laughs> executing it necessarily, um, or it's not at the highest level, and I'm paraphrasing, but that doesn't mean you don't know what you're you want to be. You know, there are certain I've watched Husker teams where you feel like there's no template in place here, right? I mean, I don't know what exactly um, their staples are or what they want to be a year or two down the road. When I watch this offense, I don't think it's easy on the eyes, but I do think. I know what they're going toward. Like I can see the type of team they want to be. Now the component though, that I'd love to see pop up. And this is where those young receivers come into play is before the season rule would talk about being a grounded pounded team, but also, um, you know, taking those long shots and having that in your arsenal. And I think it was last week on this very show where I was, thinking about it I mean have we seen that pass completion where a guy catches it, where the ball travels in the air like 35 40 yards you know what I mean and it's caught and it's a it's that type of play um I'm not looking for that all the time I'm looking for one or two of those that pop into a game um that change the direction and it's just a, a huge play that that kind of dings the other side so that's the part um with the you know kind of grind it out uh body blows organization that rule wants with the run game that I'd love to see um surface a little bit here in the second half of the season and then if if you see that a bit I think you could you you can kind of piece together this is what they want it to look like just at a higher level as they go forward
3: so the season might be hey let's figure out what will work this game for this team with what they have
0: yeah, I, I mean, I think you have to do that, in, you know, with any team, really. It, it's it, it, What does it take to get the job done to get a win on that given Might week? not be pretty. I mean, <laughs> not that Yeah, yeah. And, that, I mean, that, that's why I think you've heard rules say things like, um, you know, publicly, no less. Like, At defense, I want you to know this is a defense-oriented football team. We don't always hear head coaches, like, say that, right, where they just, like, put one one phase of the game – out there sort of in front, like you're, you're the, you're the heart of this thing. We're playing around you. And so, I mean, you hear a quote like that, you do, you do realize like, you know, with the offense there, it's not like they don't want to score every possession, but there's also an understanding play within the, the, the parts of your team and what we have at this moment. And that, you know, that includes like, um, if it's third down and six yards at your own 45-yard line and the play's not there, for goodness sake, just throw that ball away, do what you got to do. Um, we're going to trust the defense to make them go 85, 90 yards. And especially in these next few weeks, um, that's going to be critical because I really do believe if the offense can play solid and you said – or yesterday rules was like, was, we got to just fix up, we got to clean some things up, got to take these turnovers out of the equation – if they can do that against Northwestern Purdue um, they've got a good enough defense to be five and three at the end of this uh, at the end of October so um, yeah you are playing around what you have a little bit Um, I think that's always kind of the way it is but along with that hopefully a a young guy or two does something here in October November that kind of makes you sit up and you're like okay um, there there's there it is I mean that's what it can look like as we go forward and uh, they get another off season of uh, work behind the scenes here. Uh,
2: BC, I wanted to ask you about something that Rule said after the Illinois game, and, and we just hadn't had a chance to really talk to you about it yet. Um, with the procedural penalties and, and kind of the way that Rule addressed those with the kind of mimicking of the snap of the defense and things like that, I guess how did you process that between understanding what he was talking about and trying to defend his guys versus also, you know, I was kind of in the mindset of, Hey, like, like at some point you just have to stop jumping off or like, you know, jumping false starts or whatever. I guess, how did you process that that sort of dynamic there of, of trying to protect his guys, but also, you know, kind of trying to take accountability.
0: Right. I, I think both can be okay. Like publicly you're, you're standing up for your guys and, um also alerting a fan base where you know that's going to be the talking point all week of it this was part of that um you know he did say within there there's a there's a time where maybe it's happened two or three times where you got to say hey this is what they're doing on you know third and three or whatever um before the snap he, he stop jumping there it's going to keep happening and just you gotta you gotta stand tall there um so I, I understood what he was doing, but I I, I agree with you, Ravi. It's one of those deals behind the scenes where you got to be accountable to it, and you're gonna you got to know that uh, teams are gonna keep messing with you if they can get away with it. If if there is something going on there, they're gonna try to do whatever it takes to make you jump again. And so you've got to get your guys disciplined to uh, even if you feel like someone is sort of. Uh, outside the boundaries of etiquette for the game or whatever, it, you, it's still, if it's happening, um, respond to it in the way that it's not uh, always third and 15. So um, either way, it goes down in the stat sheet as it did. And it was a it was a painful second half. So you got to learn a lot of lessons from that because that was a game where the defense balled out and they bailed out their offense mm-hmm. um, because that was, I mean, I was sitting there with, Five minutes left, thinking this game should have been over three times by now, <laughs> and, and, that we're still, and we're still waiting to ma- see if Nebraska can make one final stand to sort of put it away. So, um, as, as good as it was to go on the road and win a game, some people didn't expect you to win, or you were a slight underdog. Uh, you got to take all those things and make them uh, growing points here as you go into the second half of the season, because that that won't uh, be enough in some other games.
2: Was there any part of you that was? I guess, happy to see, I don't know if happy is the right word, uh, but sort of, yeah, we'll just stick with happy, to see Nebraska sort of shoot itself in the foot several times and still come out with a win? Because there was a part of me that was excited by that, that they didn't, like, self-destruct totally.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the thing I always go back to is, what was everybody saying During the week, and I don't think we then can change what uh, where we set the hurdle for the team. And before the week, going into the game, uh, like I said, they were slight underdog, I think, by Vegas standards. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of people thought this will be a kind of a pick'em game. Some were picking Nebraska. Some were I picked Illinois because I wanted to see Nebraska uh, prove they could win a game like that on the road, even though Illinois is not a great football team. So the fact that they you know did biff it up quite a bit. And they still won twenty to seven, <clears throat> and you could look at it and say, "Man, they should have won that game like thirty-four to seven or something like that." Um, there is a positive light you could cast on that, where um, the, you know that they showed the potential of what uh, how that game could have gone. Um, and also, I think the thing that encourages you is I think we are wondering after Michigan, okay, is this defense? for real against most of the teams they're going to play, or was Michigan uh, cluing us into something? It turns out, well, I I don't want to say it's definitive yet, but I I think this defense is really solid uh, and equipped for most of the competition they're going to see when it's not Michigan. And so um, that was really encouraging to me to see how they bounce back and, um, you know, Tony White and that crew, the way they've rotated guys and the level they've played in the first year, I would say they're ahead of schedule. I mean, I just would. For the first season, I'm really impressed by what they've done on that side of the ball.
2: Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. B, good luck tonight with your twins. And yeah. uh, I think I speak for everyone when I say uh, take <laughs> down the Astros for us, all right? <laughs> Yeah,
0: thanks for having me, guys. I I appreciate
2: it. Always enjoy talking to you. All right, great stuff. We appreciate it, B. Uh, That is our friend Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. Coming up next, we've got Andy Kendi from KETV right here in Omaha, and we'll have more of at Sports Radio.
1: Hail Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m.